This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode, episode 16 of the 15 Minutes of Football Transfer News Central and Big Heads Media Podcast. The podcast where topics are discussed in approximately 15 minute segments, um, four topics, so like a sushi bar and it sort of goes around the table um, and you get delivered a meal and then you get another one, then you get another one. Bad, bad analogy, but that's kind of how it works. Um, Jordan's here. Last week. Yeah, it was quite poor, yeah. Jordan <laughs> is here. I am feeling, uh, I didn't let him speak, but he's here. I am feeling uh, slightly less lispy. Although there was a bit of a tinge there. There's a bit of a tinge. It's like a, a self-journey of Johnny's lisp disappearing and then reappearing in segments. But as I said, Jordan... You'll have a permanent here. access to seeing how it develops over time, which is going to be a, a nice listen in a few years' time, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, really, really bad. Now, not too bad. So that's really promising. Uh, what isn't too promising, or maybe it is, depending on your point of view, is the rioting or the... Not rioting, maybe the... the yeah, the protesting it on Old Trafford page. So we'll, re- we'll run with that to begin with, but we'll also have a look at three other topics of importance, such as the Champions League and Europa League makeup at this moment in time. A little bit time bound, so maybe looking ahead past these semi finals and maybe into possible finals and repercussions for each team. We'll also have a look at the sort of general ramifications for the Premier League itself, which is. The title's tied up, the top four isn't tied up, and neither is the bottom three. So that's something to divulge into. And then European football focus, Inter Milan crowd champions of Serie A, probably the headline of the weekend. Two incredibly tight title races, as we've said many, many times in Spain in, and in uh, in France. And Germany, yeah, that, that's that's kind of done and done, unfortunately. But um, obviously Nagelsmann going to Bayern Munich and then Leipzig appointed a new manager as well so all a bit to talk about but first of all go back to uh manchester <laughs> scenes at old trafford general reports from newspapers and general coverage has been obviously well i'm not gonna say obviously well i am has been negative towards the perpetrators negative towards the people on the football pitch many called hooligans football hooligans um and to be honest some some incidents quite clearly are that there's obviously the image gone viral of the of the man throwing the freelancer's camera on the floor. What an idiot. You know, it's yeah, shocking. Ball. People throwing bottles, you know. It's the same It's the same thing I always say, really. In any protest, um, we've had Black Lives Matter. We've had, um, you know, we had the uh, the vigil case uh, with Sarah Everard and the, the women's rights protest. 95% of the protesters are probably there with good intentions. And the 5% or the 2%, which yeah, act violently... This- I mean, this but one didn't strike me as quite as organised as those. No, maybe no. a few more. Maybe maybe that percentage has crept up slightly. I would imagine. No, I, agree. So. I agree. It's the more the minority that mm. are, are causing. I'll say problems that are they're they're causing trouble maybe more so than just problems because I think problems is exactly what the protest is about and it's mm. a good thing generally speaking depending on which side of the coin you want to, to want to look at it but, mm. but yeah i think i think there's only a few of them that are causing problems yeah i mean you're right i mean i i, I sort of draw on protests generally and the minority that do partake in violence or 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 thuggish behavior undermine the majority who are moving 
all that movement. And it's an easy angle to attack the protest for when you focus specifically on the violent ends of that protest of the of the protest, uh, which really infuriates me because, as I say, the vast majority at this one, more so with the ones I mentioned before, the vast majority of people who go to protest for things that seem to be on the surface something that should be protested about uh, are there to do exactly that to raise their voice to 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 make a point not to break laws not to attack people um so yeah just generally that obviously there were a few incidents there and you're right uh, this one's slightly different because i think whenever it comes to football um a bit different to the ones i've just mentioned the other cases you are going to get probably alcohol uh enthused uh participation (laughs) you're going to get exactly testosterone as well i think the two mix really really um and so it's not a surprise that there were some incidents as a result of those people but what we need to get to the point of is it was all quite negative towards the fans a lot of people saying it's a shame on football but a lot of the media coverage actually doesn't didn't seem to want to divulge into why they were doing this now uh, a few people i think um oh there was a sky sports reporter who actually covered this um I can't remember who it was, but he said it brilliantly. He said, since the Glazers have come in to take over Man United, they took over a club with z- in zero pounds of debt, and now they're in £1.5 billion pounds of debt. They've never spent any of their own money on the football club. They've only profited from the football club. It's asset stripping, isn't it, effectively? Mm. That's what they've done. They're, they're taking it out for their own benefit. And I think this Super League has almost been the straw that's broken mm. the camel's back particularly mm. for United fans. And that's maybe mm. why we've seen United fans react in a, a more a pronounced way than, than any other set of fans so mm. far, at least. Mm. Yeah. There was, I, a little, there was a little protest at the Liverpool game, but not, not the was. same. And the Chelsea game. Um, yeah. Chelsea. Uh, I think not that was too more long. European, yeah, Super that was more European Super League than, than the owners. Yeah, I think, I think that's the thing, though. I think a lot of... Because obviously, with the protest and with the revolution, so to speak, of, of, or whatever, with the, with this gathering, there obviously is quite it's it, it's it's a form of anarchy, isn't it, against the establishment, which is their own, which is their owners. It's quite, um, it, it's very it's very socialist in movement, isn't it? It's very much um, people who are essentially you know stakeholders in that football club rising up against the people at the top so it's not really any wonder i suppose why there has been such a negative framing of it towards those supporters uh but i must stress as well a very fine line as well isn't there between acknowledging their right to protest and acknowledging their right that something is wrong at the top and also you know full-blown anarchy there has to be some kind of line somewhere i guess I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the, the thing, the big thing is, had they had a perfectly peaceful protest, that was a nice little yeah. alliteration. Mm. Had they had a perfectly peaceful protest and not broken into the ground, etc., yeah. and they're not being this kind of level, it of wouldn't anarchy, have reached the same level that of level, no, exactly. I, I, yeah, so yeah. There's, there's a certain argument that without that, there's not, yeah. there's not just not the same level of point to it, and, and yeah. it's, it's a lot more effective, and this will actually hurt the Glazers' pockets mm. or or maybe potentially more likely the club's pockets, but mm. same, same pocket in, in essence. 
Mm. It will hurt the Glazers financially, at least slightly. And maybe Sky as well, alongside that. And it, as you say, it, it really gets the, the story out to everyone. It lets everyone know what the fans really think of the Glazers right now. Yeah, I th- yeah, I do, I do, I do, do agree with that. Actually, it, it, it's that, that's why I say it's such a fine line because if you take that idea of causing a scene, causing trouble, and then apply it to everything that you don't like, that's what I, that's why I mean it's a fine line, isn't it? You've got to have a bit of context behind it because if you, oh, I don't like the way this certain company operates, so we, it's, it, I mean, I think back to uh, not too long ago. Uh, Extinction Rebellion are quite a good example, aren't they, of, uh, of, of green mean? climate activists. And recently they decided to go to a local HSBC branch and hammer some nails yeah. into some, windows. Some sat in there on 20 grand a year. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what I mean. It's really difficult. So I can, to, to be fair to the press and to be fair to the media, I can understand why you don't want to parade the, the, the supporters too much because then yeah. you, you, you don't want that every day, do you? You don't want that kind of, well, if we get heard in this way, I mean, you don't know where it's going to lead. But I also agree with you in what they did do um, would have raised the profile of the whole issue even more. Although I still don't think there's enough being said about really the fundamental the problem of the glare. Yeah, because there were a yeah. few, quite a few people, even football pundits who were saying, well, you know, what a, are they really doing that bad a job? And it's only when you listen to uh, uh, journalists come out and say what's actually happened, informed journalists, about yeah. the deficit United did, about the fact that they've not put any money into the club, about the fact that they're profiting from the club and not putting money back in to the same extent as, as maybe Manchester City and, and Chelsea have. And then that's when you start to see why there is that frustration. And people said, oh, it's because... They are winning, but it wasn't. The, I mean, a winning trophies. Of, but a it, lot of opposition fans have come from that angle, haven't they? Mm, but they were protesting when they were under Sir Alex Ferguson. There's many pictures uh, of the of the green and yellow, uh, which is the old United colours, um, the green and yellow scarf, saying we we don't want this anymore. We want we want out. Um, and it's quite interesting because I, I imagine Rio Ferdinand's also against it, but then Rio Ferdinand also said to Newcastle uh, fans when when they didn't like Mike Ashley that they should go and buy the club themselves. So I think sometimes it's don't throw stones at glass houses in that particular situation. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it, it's a difficult one. Like you said, I think the European Super League um, was, the, was the stroll that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Um, and... What we're also hearing now, whether it's related to it or not, is that the Premier League are trying to work with the government to put legislation in place to stop mm-hmm. clubs trying to break away like they attempted to do, you know, just, just not too long ago, a few weeks ago. Something we, I mean, we spoke about on, on, I think it was the last podcast, that is something we do need as well, don't we? And, and I mean, whether there's going to be sanctions alongside that, I think it's unlikely at this point, but... Mm. Uh, it's certainly a step in the right direction, isn't it? And it hopefully will stop them doing it again. Mm. Given the opportunity to do them again, at least. Yeah, I don't think it'll be quite as sufficient as the 50 plus one, because as I said, I don't think that can be uh, implemented in our Almost late, society. Yeah, I don't, yeah, and that. Place. Yeah, it seems too late. I don't think it can be implemented in our society. Um, and yeah, it, it does seem a little bit... Um, 
like you say, it just doesn't seem quite... I mean, Germany, like you say, had it in place for a very long time. And also their societal system, their their business system is different to the UK's. So, and their, their way of government. So, yeah, it, it, it's unrealistic, I think, to do that. But something legislative from the government would help. Uh, and I, I, what do you think that might entail? Maybe severe fines for anyone that attempts to do it? or It's tough, isn't it? Because... It's going to have to be a real fine, isn't it? Like the biggest fine we've ever seen in order to, to truly eradicate any any chance of it happening. I mean, I think, to be honest, I think it'll just be a lot of red tape, a lot of just jumping through hoops if they do want to do anything like it. And forewarning alongside that, where this came as a little bit more of a surprise, it was I think it was a Sunday night, wasn't it, in the middle of a Man United game, this, this announcement was made and... It was a shock to everyone. Mm. I think that, that one one piece of legislation they can have is a little, little bit more forewarning in mm. order for anything to actually occur through it and a bit more discussion as well. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I mean, I don't think anyone really thinks that the Super League is null and void now because yeah. Florentino, be Florentino Perez has said that this competition is, is, effect, is effective for up to 23 years, so... I guess that means within that 23-year period, he intends to do... <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe not... I think it makes sense just before Champions League reform again. I think they might try and do it again, uh, perhaps. Um, and I don't know. I People say, oh, no, but the owners saw what the fans did. They won't do it again. But the owners knew what... The, it's very, very difficult. We're, we're, we're branching off here a bit in, in some ways. But... Um, I guess um, I guess things like the incident at Old Trafford do broaden and make more mainstream football's obvious problems with 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 power and that obvious power struggle with people who don't really love the game and just want to profit from it. But I don't know; it, it, it's very difficult because the club, obviously, the players and the and the club probably won't lose too much from this. They've lost the game. They'll probably play it next week. Fixture rearrangement. I think. Yeah, I think Sky are the big losers, really. I yeah. mean, it, uh, their big four thirty slot on a Sunday that they've paid all this money for. Mm. It's really the their marquee game, and it would have been one of their first choices alongside that. It's gone. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously they'll keep it and they'll have it again next time. But I, I think they're the people that will have been hit most by this. Mm. They might do it again at the next game. I've seen murmurings of it on Twitter already from certain United fans, certain accounts and uh, from United fans. Uh, yeah, I think it might be something that happens again. Whether they'll be, whether it'll be as effective, I'm not sure. Whether mm. they'll be able to get another match postponed, I'm not sure. But I think there'll be more protests. Yeah, it's really difficult though, isn't it? There'll be more protests. If I mean, we sort of say it was effective, and many fans will say, people say, well, I understand where they're coming from, but. I suppose where does the line stop? Because I don't think it's going to persuade the Glazers to sell, to be honest. I don't think it will. Um, you also got to think about the £3 billion that they want for Manchester United. That's going to be difficult yeah. during a pandemic. Um, you know, if you have a pool of people that have that kind of money, even in assets, not, not, all, not just liquid assets, but actual assets, it's so slim as it is. And I think that you're... You're looking at a list of people that uh, have got the same mindset as the Glazers alongside that. Mm. So it, it does become difficult. And I also ask the question, when does it stop as in, if this did become a regular occurrence and we're seeing a game or two get postponed every week? Yeah, 
it's going to make people talk and think about it, but doesn't actually change anything. No, and, and what it's just going to have to get rescheduled. It's really difficult because you want to make a stand, and this this was an effective stand, probably arguably the biggest game on the English Premier League calendar, Manchester United versus Liverpool. But again, other than delay and frustration, and I'm God knows how all they're going to solve how the players feel, Jurgen Klopp and the players as well, because that it's just going to get squeezed together again, isn't it, into the, these yeah. penultimate weeks. So it's a, it's a really difficult subject to, to talk about, really, because I, I don't know. Generally, are you with, with the, th- the fans for their protests or against them? Or are you somewhere I'm not the- sure. Uh, yeah, I understand. I, I certainly agree with the protests. And I don't think that the Glazers are right for Man United. I don't think they're doing a no, good job. No, I don't. For all the reasons you've already mentioned. Mm. But, and I, I actually think that getting onto the pitch was it was effective, as I say. But yeah, I think you do have to draw a line on that. And it is the people, that the police that are on these kind of, they're not the enemy here, <laughs> but they're the no. ones that are taking the part for it. Yeah, I think that's quite well put. Amid all of that, this week will be the the finalisation of the final of the Europa League and the Champions League uh, from the semi-finals this week. It's quite a, a contrast to the domestic football um, that we're just talking about then, particularly in England. Uh, it'd probably be a good ref- good break from all of the animosity that's currently going on, I suppose, with our league game. we got really interesting ties. I actually thought beforehand that PSG would be a really tough challenge for Manchester City, and I think they were. Um Oh, they were, yeah. That first half in particular. Mm. I do think that, uh, I think I think it's been a bit, uh, I think people went a bit overboard, actually, when you talk about the second half of the first leg of no, that game. It was a game of fine margins. I think Manchester City got the better of those fine margins because they took control of most of the possession. And if you have more of the possession quite a, by quite a lot, eventually, maybe you'll get, some fortune you'll get those fine margins because to be fair they didn't create a proper chance all game and I mean that that Mahrez goal was certainly in the fortunate bracket wasn't it it just just so happened that a gap opened up in the wall mm. it was a shocking wall wasn't it it was one of the worst walls I've ever seen and, and De Bruyne's uh, cross which went in you know it, it evades everyone and went in um, yeah I think it's um, I think that I think that's what it is Uh it, I think it was a bit of a blood, but I, but credit for how they control all the possession and credit for not giving PSG a chance in that game. Yeah, and well, uh, I think, as you say, the, the second half was maybe overblown for their performance, but mm. I think the, the the critical thing is how much they improved from the first mm. half, or at least PSG dropped off in the first half because PSG in that first half the intensity was very very good. And it stopped City doing what they wanted to do. So, as, as I say, credit to City for maybe turning that around at least a little bit. Uh, and the disparity between the first and the second half was clear. Mm. Uh, yeah, they didn't create as many chances as maybe some people have, have suggested. But I, I think they've got the edge. And, and I think they, they probably think, get through this. Yeah, I think they probably will go through as well. I think if they do go through, you you would expect them to get the job done. Because I just think the other semi-final is... Between two inferior teams to the to the to Manchester City and PSG, um, yeah. Chelsea, similar to City in the sense they don't have a recognised number nine who bangs in a lot of goals. In fact, 
probably Kai Havertz looks more likely in front of goal than Timo Werner at the moment, and he's like a false nine, which is similar to what City have. Um, but generally, player for player, City have a better array of players than than Chelsea and and Real Madrid, generally. So that I think the biggest challenge for City was PSG because they in that front three particularly two of them, Neymar and Mbappe. I mean, Di Maria was fantastic in the first leg, but Neymar and Mbappe, you've got two of the scare, the players that no defence in the world wants to be faced with oh, on the counter-attack. Absolutely. But the, as I say, in that first half, it was a really good press from PSG, but it was within that first minute, wasn't it? I think, I think Mbappe took the ball off Rodri and they were on them straight away. And I think that that scared City completely. And I, I think that that, that that influenced that first half massively. So, so I think that the City now are well aware of the threat that they pose if they weren't already. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I just think, as I say, I think City get through. I, I, I hope it's Real Madrid alongside them as well. I yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, I think yeah. As I say, I think the reason that I thought City might struggle is because I thought PSG would sit deep, hit City on the counter attack. We've seen City can be done on the counter attack, but there's no more difficult two players than Neymar and Mbappe to have on the counter-attack yeah. because of the speed, Absolutely. the skills, the finish, the, the link-up play, very good. They did really well to to combat that, really. Um, in fact, in the first half, they very much let PSG play and you know negated any threat of the counter-attack because they were quite deep themselves. Um, in the second half, they, they controlled the play and, 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 and PSG was sort of resulted to direct long balls to Neymar and Mbappe, not really what you want to do. Um, and uh, yeah, that's why I think this would have this PSG or Bayern Munich would have been City's hardest challenge. And if you yeah. get past that, I mean, we said it actually, didn't we? When when the draws happened, we said that this semi final was probably the real final. I mean, we may be doing a little bit of a disservice to both Chelsea and Real Madrid because they yeah. they they'll earn the place. But no, I, I agree with you. I think this is the this is the one which whichever mm. side gets this tie will probably go on to win it. Well, I think I think, I think the thing you'd say with the other teams is you've got. Um, Chelsea have got are still having the Thomas Tuchel bounce. Um, we know he's a manager. I think that gets very, um, very intense with his players. Can sometimes the relationship goes a little bit towards the end of his tenure, particularly at Dortmund, and maybe a little bit at PSG as well. But still in that early bounce, and what he's done so far has been remarkable. The difference between the Lampard Chelsea and the Tuchel Chelsea's astronomical and to be fair when Chelsea signed all those players in the summer people were saying they they could get they could win the title because there were so many good players who designed you know from particularly from the Bundesliga the obviously 140 million on those two and even though they haven't quite clicked properly yet um there is such a as I said there's been such a resurgence under Tuchel that you can't rule them out and likewise with Real Madrid uh just, just experience, experience, experience. Particularly at the back, Ramos is back now. So Ramos and Varane become a form. They are a formidable defensive partnership. Courtois, yeah. one of the best in the in Europe still. Um, Casemiro sat in front of the two as Casemiro, well. Casemiro, Kroos, Modric, um, Benzema as well. It, it's littered full of talent. And Eden Hazard making his making his comeback. So it's a phenomenal team, really. Um, it just maybe lacks a little bit of the um, explosivity that it used to have when Bale and Ronaldo used to be, particularly Ronaldo, used to be uh, on each flank. 
Um, and also Modric and Crows. Eh, Crows is still outstanding, and so is Modric, but they're in their later years, slightly past their best, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah. But still phenomenal still players. Good, yeah. yeah. I thought the start actually that uh, mm. Casemiro is the he's got the second most goal involvements in all competitions behind Benzema for, for Real Madrid this season, which I think says a lot about where they're at as a team. And there's no real other players up there that are, are providing the goals and assists. I mean, Hazard should be. He, he's struggling with injuries, struggling yeah. with fitness alongside that. But yeah, no, it's not maybe the team that it was, but they're still dangerous. And I, I'll say, I, I, I would prefer a final of them against either PSG or Man City than Chelsea because I just think Chelsea and, and Tuchel would would maybe see their only opportunity to win as a a boring game, stifling the opposition, and hope mm. for a, a counter attack. Yeah, I mean, arguments. Real Madrid did that in the second leg against Liverpool a little bit. Um, you know, Zidane the pragmatist um, to a point. I think I think he's aware that. His experienced players hold all the keys for him, really. And they don't have the pace. Mm, Vinicius Jr. maybe. No, Vinicius Jr. definitely, of course. But yeah, they don't so. have the... Um, I mean, the speed in, in midfield. They don't have the, uh, you know, moderate... I mean, they were never the quickest, but uh, it dictators of player. He's very, he knows who his key men are. He knows who his experienced men are. And... Um, it's the it's the same people that won the Champions League with him, you know, those years ago. The, the core the core crux of those players are still there. So while he's still got them, and while they still have that, um, well, it's largely down. I suppose that they have got absolutely nothing to prove in a Champions League final. So they'll yeah. feel confident themselves as well. I mean, in Europa League, it's slightly different. I think Villarreal Arsenal's on the knife edge, but we'd expect Man United to go through against Roma. So good yeah. they were in a, that, isn't it? Yeah, they were so good yeah. in attack uh last Thursday. Um Arsenal tra- I mean Arteta doing a bizarre false nine formation when he's never played a false nine, or he hasn't played a false nine for a long time, should I say. I think he played one at the start of the season, it just made no sense. Um and then Unai Emery, you know, winning winning that first battle two one. It'll be quite annoying because I don't think it was a penalty. Uh, to, uh the oh, definitely no. not awful decision that wasn't mm. it? So, again, a bit of a bit of fortune for Arteta. I mean, I, I make now United probably favourites regardless of who goes through because yeah, I'm with you on that. Individual quality is just not matched anywhere on it from either Villarreal or or, or Arsenal. We've seen Paul Pogba showing the Paul Pogba that you know we've seen in the franchise in the World Cup. You know, he was outstanding against Roma. Cavani as well, unbelievable. Um, they'll do everything they can to sign him up for another year, and oh, yeah, and and Fernandez as well, two goals, two assists. So, yeah, they blew Roma away, and it was good because the defense was a bit all at sea for most of that game, but their attack was remarkable. And yeah, I can't see, can't see either Villarreal or or Arsenal. Maybe Arsenal. The only thing that puts you again puts maybe me against United slightly, is perhaps in cup games under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's not quite got it right in the latter stages. Never been to a final with United. It always yeah. comes unstuck just, just before that. But I would be surprised if he didn't make this one, though. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it, eventually you'd imagine that, that that should even itself out. I mean, the way 
the way Arteta's been setting his team up in certain games, I've been very, very questionable. But Arteta has won trophies for Arsenal earlier in his earlier in his tenure. So I don't know if it's a big ask for them to overcome Villarreal, to be honest. But if they can, um, and I, I mean, of course, Villarreal, who now is a master in the Europa League, I must say, he's won it. Uh, he's won it three times, I think, hasn't he? Um, yeah. The Europa League. So I can't really rule out that pedigree, I suppose. So. Yeah, I would say Man United are obvious favourites for that in comparison to the Champions League, which is a bit more open. But um, there is a there is a small there's a chance that whoever wins the other well there's always a chance that whoever wins the other one will win. But you can make a case for either, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you completely. To be honest, I think Man United will they're, they're comfortably the best team in it. They've got the best individual talents mm. by quite a stretch. Mm. I mean, Arsenal's best player. This season has probably been uh, Saka. So uh, I was going to say Bakary Sanya then. So no, I don't think it's him. Not Kayo him. Saka. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, you compare that to the talent that Man United have. It's chalk and cheese. I, I think they're they're comfortably the best team in the, in the competition. I think they'll go on to win it. Yeah, uh, it, it does. It does seem that way. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting because he's he's desperate. I think Solskjaer really, despite what he said for that first trophy and first trophy. A Europa League and second place in the Premier League would represent an excellent season, really, in a in, in a in a year where inconsistencies really followed all of the big teams, uh, apart from Manchester City. Um, mm-hmm. Even Man United have felt have had some very very strange results uh, over the course of this season. The two one loss to Sheffield United at home, the six one loss to Tottenham at the start of the season, the three one loss to Palace in the first game of the season. And then the the exit in the FA Cup to Leicester was a disappointing one. But all that aside, to keep on the horse to to maybe get runners up in the league with the trophy, it's, it's a season Obviously, of good progress. Yeah, hundred percent. And I guess you can say the same thing about Arteta. Mm. It would be a successful season if they won the Europa League because that also gets them into the Champions League and. It almost er- eradicates any any poor performances they've had in the Premier League would, would suddenly be forgotten. Uh, it would be a massive turn up for the books if they did manage to get into the Champions League. I tell you, if they yeah. if they if they got in through that, it'd be it'd be some story for Arteta. And just um, bri- briefly on the others, I suppose with we, I suppose it, I suppose a, a treble really does define whether whether the season has been a, an ultimate success or whether it's a, a bit of a disappointment because I know the quadruple was moved to quite a lot, but really it was more the treble with the Champions League original treble. I guess I guess I guess that will go a long way to. To really see if there's any, if, if if there's some satisfaction from many city fans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been built up so much. It would be almost a disappointment if they they didn't win at least two trophies, maybe yep. three. Yeah, could could salvage Real Madrid season. They could get a double as well. Who knows? I mean, La Liga is still very much wide open, and then uh, PSG could they could in theoretically lose the French league but win the Champions League. If they overturned this, and then of course you've got Chelsea, who again could potentially win a double, which is remarkable, if they can oust Leicester in the final and get past Real Madrid, and then and then whoever they're facing the final. So yeah, could define a lot of seasons. Okay, the general makeup then of the Premier League quite um, quite uh, well. It's quite done and done at the at the very top. Manchester City would have won the title this weekend if the match at Old Trafford had played and Liverpool had won, which could have happened. So it's expected to be a formality. 
that was part of the protest as well. Yeah. <laughs> City, City fans, friendly enough. Mm, no, fair. So, I mean, the top four does have some does have some significance again because the European Super League didn't go ahead. So you've got still all of that to play for, really. Chelsea in pole position, but Chelsea have quite a few difficult games, really, still to play. In. Got to go to the Etihad. Then they got to play Arsenal, which probably isn't as difficult as it might have been, but then Leicester after that as well. And then a trip to Aston Villa, and if Jack Grealish is back by then, it might be a different Aston Villa. So it's not... Something ahead of the Euros as well. Yeah, so it's not exactly a, a foregone conclusion how Chelsea, that Chelsea are going to get there because they are tough games. But what you would say is that they are playing with more purpose than Liverpool, who have an easier set of games on paper, but seem to struggle to finish matches off in the final third when the chances come their way, just like against Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, there's that um, a seven-point gap between the two. Liverpool do have a game in hand, yeah. but... So, so I mean, effectively, you're looking at a four-point gap if they win that game in hand. Mm. But it's still worth talking about when there's so few games left. Ah, mm. It's maybe a little bit too much for Liverpool. Um, I think I think uh, the top seven all get into Europe, don't they, this yep. season? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how many get in the Europa Conference League. If uh, I think it's one, isn't it? I think it's seventh. Is it just seventh? Yeah, or the winner of the um, I think the winner of the cup as well. But I think that it's just the Carabao Cup. So okay. I think it's just seven, just the one. Um, you know, that's a, that, that's an interesting little little competition they've got there. But um, when it comes to I don't know, Jurgen Klopp said actually, he's always said. I, I remember he was quoted, "If you don't get the Champions League." Will that affect your transfer dealings? And he always said that he wouldn't want someone who to play in his team just because they're in the Champions League. It's a character thing. It's a, um, I suppose a mental thing. He wants people to play in his team regardless of where where they are. He wants warriors. He wants you know. It's, he wants people on board like that. And I suppose one thing is if they don't get the Champions League, you anyone that does come in, you would imagine he's going to have the hunger and the desire to play in his team because they don't have that carrot. I mean, yeah, but I guess you can look at that in the same vein. And I think the the players of the quality to get in the Champions League would maybe look at that and think, oh, not this year. Mm. Not not this year. I don't want to have a season without the Champions League. I mean, it's such a massive thing in a, in a short career for a footballer to, mm. to miss out on a season in the in the Champions League. Mm. I think that, that it certainly would affect the, the players coming in at least a little bit. I don't think players would leave distinctly because they're not in the Champions League, though. No, no. Uh... I think I, I think there is something that needs to be done. Whether they have the money to do it remains to be seen, but there is a staleness, I think, in attack, which which is what people have said as well to a point, because we all attribute it to the centre-back injuries, and that's very true. But recent games, we've seen wastefulness on a ridiculous level, you know, particularly from Sadio Mane, who's really, really struggled this year. Diogo Jota missing chance after chance against, <coughs> against Newcastle. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, does that forward line need freshening up a bit, or, or do you well, think? It... <clears throat> it, yeah, I definitely think that it needs freshening up, and it's something we have spoken about on previous podcasts. Um, I don't know. It's put it this way: they're not going to go out there and get an Mbappe, get a Haaland if they're not in the Champions League. I don't think they will anyway. I don't think they've got the money to do so, but mm. it it de- it makes it dead and buried if if they're not in the Champions League. Mm. So then you're looking at what. What level of player can they actually bring in who would improve the front line mm-hmm. that they can they can afford and mm-hmm. would join them while they're not in the Champions League? And mm-hmm. I don't think there's any out there. They're, they're mm-hmm. looking for another Diogo Jota, effectively, with that, mm-hmm. aren't they? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to be very difficult regardless of that. I mean, Tottenham have quite a nice run in as well. Ryan Mason's Tottenham. Um, yeah. four, five points behind. Mm, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's doable. Players of, of a lot of goals as well in that side as well. Mm. Bale with a hat-trick, obviously, this weekend, which was massive. Some great finishes as well. Mm. Yeah, it's very doable. Same goal difference as Chelsea as well, So and Leicester. So, yeah, I mean, Leicester slightly ahead with uh, 63 points. Chelsea's at 61. It'll be really interesting to see how that goes. Um, yeah, I mean, again, West Ham, I f- feel like when you look at those, I mean, they do have a... Well, the, the game will be played. Game in hand today against Burnley, they will be playing that. Um, if they, if win, they that, win that, they'll back up again. But I don't know. It, it's a tough, injuries it's a tough have game. piled up. I think injuries have yeah. piled up at the wrong time. Was massive. Antonio, so, Cresswell, Declan Rice, Greg Dawson got suspended. He's back now. So it, yeah, across the board, really, it's injuries in key areas all over the pitch, and that's uh, really curtailed their ambitions a little bit. I think it was always a bit ambitious, but. The way they were playing with Lingard in the form of his life, they managed to keep that first eleven injury free. Maybe, maybe they would have caused an upset because the momentum was on their side. But it just seems like they've had a few injuries too many at the moment, and it's kind of unraveling yeah. a bit. Um, I would, I'd imagine they'll still get the Europa League though, and I think that that is maybe better for their level. They, they can maybe compete a little bit more in the Europa League, obviously, than they could in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. They, they probably get out of the group in the Europa League, whereas I, I don't think they would in the Champions League. No, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, not really, but you're here. So Everton in uh, eighth, 52 no, my, points. My uh, they're well out of it now. I think that even Ancelotti said that the, the hope now is top six. And even that, I think, is too much of a stretch. The, the way we're playing it right now, I think particularly injuries again for Everton have been a massive thing. And I think the, 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 the similar thing between Everton and West Ham is just a lack of squad depth. And I mean the midfield at Everton right now is it's the slowest midfield I've ever seen. Alan's mm. Alan's got the energy, but he's next to either Andre Gomez, Gilfie Sigurdsson, or Tom Davies, and mm. just, just such there's no pace in that midfield without mm. Degore, and, and mm. it's really shows on the pitch. Mm. Yeah, I think Everton now are, are going to be looking for next season, looking for potential transfers, and yeah, it, it, they might they might go on the beach for the last few games. I suspect. Yeah, yeah, I, I would imagine so. I mean, Arsenal behind them in ninth really does show that it, it, it's been a really weird season for them, mainly affected by that that one win in ten early in the season. But yeah, work to do next season. Whether Mikel Arteta's there or whether he isn't, um, relegation picture again looking more and more clear with each result that happens. Um, it's a shame, really, isn't it? Because I mean. Fulham, Fulham are the one who, who threatened almost to, to get out of it. And mm. I think had you not looked at any of the results and you solely looked at the way the teams were playing, mm. Fulham were, would have stayed up quite comfortably. I think that they've, they've played some really nice football. They've, they've won the XG battle a lot. Mm. I know some people don't like that, but, but they mm. have. And they've looked good, but they've just not done it. They've just not got over the line in enough games. Mm. And, I mean, the form right now is is awful. Four losses out of the last five. Yeah, I think I think the the the, the bottom three are, are dead and buried at this point. Well, yeah, obviously Sheffield United are because they are relegated. Uh, they've already been confirmed relegated. And yeah, I mean that one was uh, 
Now oh, well, we've said this before. That was written, I suppose, from well, from well, from December. I think we all knew yeah. that to turn that around. You know, no win till January. It was um, was always going to be up against it, and 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 that was just um, I think that really really came about because of a lack of transparency between chairman and manager, chairman with one plan, manager with another, try and meet each other halfway, don't really get anywhere, poor recruitment as a result of that. Uh, Wilder started to get restless on many occasions during the year. Um, I don't think he ever lost the dressing room, but it seemed to be, there were some points where he was saying some very questionable things in the media, calling out players. Uh, calling out the chairman, calling out lots of other things. It was just a disaster, disaster of a season. And Murphy's Law season, anything that could go wrong, went wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and West Brom really just started to turn it on a little bit. Uh, just too late, really. Um, almost like big, big Sam Allardyce's January transfer window makeover came probably, I suppose, a month or two too late. Really, yeah, um, I agree. I think had they had they had some of these players from the start of the season, we'd be we'd be looking at a different table. We'd maybe be looking mm. at Newcastle down there instead, because I think particularly Diane, Maitland Niles, uh, and uh, the centre midfielder. I can't remember his name. The Turkish centre midfielder. Oh, my mind's drawn a blank, but him anyway. Uh, all three of them particularly have been, been quite impressive. Uh, Diane, especially, I think he could he could easily play in the Premier League again next season if, if somebody was interested. Someone's looking mm. for a striker potentially. Mm. Yeah, I do think that. Uh, I mean, Allardyce has said himself actually he wants to stay on. You know, he wants to stay and, and manage oh, his club in the Championship. Say, and to be honest, uh, I think you mean you Kushler as well for. Uh, yes, that's the one. Um, uh, so he wants to stay on. He obviously, you know, he's. In other words, sack me, I won't resign, I suppose, is, is one yeah. way of looking at it. But to be honest, uh, he's an ex- he's, you don't get more experience than Allardyce. He knows the Championship. He knows the Premier League. He knows how to get clubs into the Premier League. Um, and the way they're playing now, uh, he seems to have got the players on side. He seems to, whether he keeps hold of them is another question. But the way they're going about it now, albeit a bit too late, it's promising for, I suppose, a season in the in in the championship where the standard won't be quite be as high, and there is certainly room for that kind of direct physical style of play. I think. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I think they'll be all right. I mean, I don't think Allardyce will stay. I think they need to look look for a new manager, look for someone who's going to bring them an identity, and they've certainly got the squad that a squad that's capable of bouncing straight back up. And I mean, we've seen with Watford coming back up alongside Norwich that the there's maybe a bigger gap now between the Premier League and the Championship than there has been uh, more recently, at least. Pandemic infused, I think. Pandemic. Yeah, no, part, partly to do with that. Yeah, partly to do with that. Players yeah. maybe stay longer. The likes of Ismail Star uh, at Watford maybe wouldn't have stayed had it been a normal circumstance, but yeah. And we say Fulham, you're right with the identity thing. I actually think it's just been a collective a collective near miss. I mean, Scott Parker's done phenomenally well to get them back up to take control of the squad, but I know Fulham fans have been a bit questioned, questioned a little bit of his uh, in-game management with certain substitutions, maybe uh, certain decisions that he's made because he's still a very young manager. He's still learning his, his trade. It seems, to, from what I've seen, he's done remarkably well to have the impact that he has done already, phenomenally good. But to be then, you know, he obviously took Fulham down to bring them back up was remarkable to keep them up in the Premier League. 
being as inexperienced as he is in management would have been a phenomenal achievement. Um, and he kind of nearly did it, like you said. He made an identity, built the, built the squad around an identity, so they weren't reliant on individual quality. They were reliant on a way of playing um, that was so. So it, it should have led to sustainable points, but just a bit lacking, I think, in terms of that quality at both ends of the pitch. Uh, ability to players who could see out a game uh, yeah. when they were ahead, players who could score that winning goal. Um, when they were dominating the play, but they just couldn't quite have the finish. Um, I mean, when you compare it to Newcastle, where there is no real obvious attacking plan, but Newcastle have two players who will get into every bottom half team in the league, and that's at Maximan against some in the top half as well, to be honest. And yeah. Wilson, uh, Wilson guarantees you double figure goals if he plays every week. Um, St. Maximan for me is an unbelievable best player in the bottom half talent, he's a remarkable player. Uh, who can change a game just with a click of his fingers. Um, and that helps. He's certainly gifted. He's maybe not got the output that some better clubs would be looking for, but for a club like Newcastle, he's, he's just what they need. I don't think there's a better... Fans, fans adore him as well. There isn't a better 1v1 dribbler in the Premier League. I genuinely... I saw you about that. You see, the genuine. one name that pops up in my mind is Adama Traore. Well, you that's ridiculous. Uh, that, that's a terrible, terrible... No, Adama Traore is really, 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 really quick and really, 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 really strong. Well, but, his one footwork, one. but his footwork... You can find a 1v1. Well, no, but you can have two... You can have the one... If you're a 1v1 against a deep block, which isn't going to offer you lots of space, you need someone who can sort of take the player, take on the fullback. So Maximan, I'd be terrified of. Traore... I would be terrified of who I was playing a high line. Now, if I was playing a high line, I would be. I mean, I'd be terrified of both. But yeah, no, I, no, no, wrong, just wrong. But he's a yeah, he's a good player. But no, the other one just to just to summarise that really, um, mine's gone black. Oh yeah, I'm not. There isn't really, I suppose, because Burnley's kind of pulled away. Brighton's pulled away. Eventually, XG expected them to do so, and they have phenomenal goal by Welbeck at the weekend. Um, oh, great. Yeah, uh, but yeah, just generally, really, I suppose for Seabreeze, for Newcastle, without it just shows the the ability that certain individuals can have on a team, particularly at the bottom. So if you got it, it's a cheat code. I think they've had a cheat code. When they've played, Newcastle have won games and, and picked up points quite quite regularly. When they haven't played, they look clueless. So take those two out, yeah. problem. Put those two back in. Or even put St. Maximan back in by yourself. Big difference. Yeah, I mean, you take away the, Everton gifted them six points as well. If you take those six points away, they're suddenly struggling again. But yeah, Burnley uh, helped them out. I agree. I agree that it is predominantly down to those two players and that ability that maybe the the Fulham team just don't seem to have. Well, predominantly I mean, Fulham, Maxim, man, really. Fulham could still. Yeah, but I don't think without Callum Wilson's goals, I don't think it's the same. Either. Well, it's it's, it's interesting, think... but when when New, when Newcastle played with Callum Wilson and not Set Maximan, he did nothing. He did nothing in December and yeah, January. He did nothing. So he relies on creativity. He does. Newcastle without Callum Wilson. Yes, they don't score many goals. True, but they've won games the recently. Game. No, but they've won games recently, and Wilson hasn't scored. In fact, he's not been on the pitch very much. But Saint Maximan has, and he's. Okay, and I'm sure. Genius. I'm sure they've won games without Saint Maximan. I, 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 I know. You do not. Okay. Um, right. I mean, uh, we talk about this as though it's dead and buried. Fulham could technically still stay up. No, they can't. No, they can't. Anyway, they get they're down. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Fulham fans.
So general look at Europe then, really. Now, um, sorry again, apologies to Fulham fans. Uh, it just <laughs> I, do, I do feel uh, I actually I, I want need to and Sheffield United to do them a favour against Newcastle. So I don't think it's likely. Mm. Across Europe, a bit different. Um, celebrations, title celebrations, something Man City fans thought they might have been having, but they aren't. Great stuff for Antonio Conte, great stuff for Inter Milan. Uh, running away with the league really since about January. I, I think probably the big defining result in that run, in their excellent form, was the 3-0 derby win. Um, in the league where they were just, you know, imperious. And they, at the time, this was a Milan team that's just fallen off a cliff since then, really. But uh, it was Ibrahimovic against Lukaku again. It, they were rivaling again after the very fiery Milan derby in the Coppa Italia semi-finals. But they were just so dominant, so dominant, so brilliant. Lukaku's now gone from a an excellent goal scorer to one of, I think, Europe's elite forwards. Um, yeah. and, and you know my, my thoughts on Lukaku. I've likened yeah. him to Ronaldo uh, in, yeah. in past podcasts, and I think that he's, he's really... What he's done this season is, is grab mm. games by the scruff of the neck, and, and that's really forced them on to mm. where they are today. And, yeah, massive congratulations to Inter Milan. Yeah. Massive kudos towards Antonio Conte, who's won yet another league title. Uh, very impressive manager, very impressive tactics, and a very impressive side. Mm. Yeah, he's been, you know, Conte has, you know, he came to Chelsea first season, won the Premier League against all odds. Uh, second season, won the FA Cup. Um, obviously, did wonderfully well at Juventus, really kick started their rise to power again. Um, now he's come to Inter. Last year, he got second. This year, he took over. He really took prominence in the league, particularly with Juventus' experiment with Andrea Pirlo that's not really gone according to plan thus far. Just such a good manager who probably has quite strong anger issues with a lot of things. Um, and maybe that maybe that ruins his reputation a little bit because actually he seems to demand some of the Europe's best players. He seems to want lots of money spent on his plans. But in actual fact, some of the best work he's done has been with players who who were deemed surplus to requirements by clubs and he's took a chance on them and he's moulded them into brilliant players. You look at Chelsea okay. and you look at you look at Inter now. I mean Matteo Darmian chipping in with some big goals from wing back and Young alongside that. Mm. Maybe not quite as many in, in recent weeks as Darmian, but he's certainly played a part. Victor Moses at Chelsea and and and, and the, what he's done with Nicolo uh, Barella as well in the midfield, uh, really made him one of Serie A's standout midfielders. And- Truly reinvigorated Arturo Vidal as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a very Conte player, Vidal. Um, you know, and yeah, no, again, again, warrior in the middle of the pitch. Um, I loved, yeah. I loved the, uh, there were some images of Lukaku uh, getting driven around around Milan, hanging out the the, the 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 sunroof of his car with his Milan top swinging round, singing championes. Yeah, I love love those scenes actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what he's done with Lukaku as well, like we said, it's um, it's really, really good. Because in England, he wasn't as good. He wasn't as good. He, his game wasn't as refined. And Conte always wanted Lukaku based on what he brought to the game. But he just took it that that game to another level, hasn't he? I think um, better with his link up, more clinical and ruthless around the box, um, and just a bit more decisive 
across everything that he does. There's an argument at Man United. He, he looked a little bit indecisive in moments when he's got the ball at his feet. What does he do? I mean, he was still a very good goal scorer, but he wasn't necessarily adored by the fans in the way that other number nines were. But now, I think you see a much more refined player at the top of the pitch. Yeah, 100%. And uh, and he's tweeted as well that he, he wants to stay. He loves the club. He loves Conte. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there were some rumours of him leaving, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, it doesn't make any sense, does it? He's a, he's a title winner. Uh, he loves the manager. manager loves him. Um, probably wants to... I mean, Conte will want some European success for a change. That's something that's always eluded him, maybe because he put so much work onto his players. He can only really do one game a week as opposed to two. But, yeah, I don't see them... I don't see him leaving either, to be honest with you. Um we have to touch on, um, again, a very exciting French league. And, um, big game, Monaco-Lyon, 3-2 to Lyon. Uh, they are just behind the top two. And, yeah, it, Monaco it actually got it. Records. Yeah. It's crazy. Four after the night, four after the full time whistle, or right at the very end. Sorry, I should say, not after the full time whistle, but ninety plus seven. So, um, not necessarily ideal, um, but some amazing action before that. Um, You know, Memphis Depay getting two goals. Uh, No, just getting the one actually, but also an assist. Ben Yedder with a light penalty to make it 2-2 before Churchy got an 89th minute winner for Leon. Um, Yeah, just just symptomatic really of what has been a crazy, crazy French league this season. Um, PSG winning again. Uh, Lille also winning. Lille have a lot of financial difficulties as well, which is quite interesting in the sense that the manager is also potentially going to be off in the summer. So, you get the sense it's a now or never for them, really, with with what's going on at the top. It, it would be a fairy tale, but the, they they really do need it to happen this year because if it doesn't, it's going to look a lot. It could potentially look a lot different next year with all the changes that could happen in the summer if the manager yeah. departs, if they have to pay off debts, they have to sell players who've done really well this year. So it really is, it really is about getting this fairy tale and seizing the moment now because if they don't they'll probably never have this chance for again for well at least for a very long time you wouldn't have thought so and I, I think particularly with that that Leon Monaco result now it is down to just those two and we, we always thought it would be down to these two I mean I I personally probably wrote Leo off at, at midway point through the seat but uh, no I, I'd love them to do it I'd love them for them to get over the line uh, they represent what every, uh, something that every every single football fan loves uh, and it's almost the David versus Goliath style uh, match. Mm. And yeah, it'd be really great to see Lille win it. Yeah, no, I absolutely completely agree. Um, yeah, PSG 2 1 over Lons this weekend. The 2 0 up um, pulled it back, Lons, towards the end. Gonna go making it 2 1, but again, you know, just holding on um, PSG to, to see out that victory. And I suppose. As I said, I sort of intuited this before, but quite a, quite a weird thing to think that PSG would win the Champions League and somehow surrender their own domestic league. Um, <laughs> it's going to be quite hard to win the Champions League now. Uh, they are, I would say, the underdogs at this moment in time. 
they might have gone through by the time this is out. But uh, regardless of that, in the French League, uh, they're very much the team we'd expect to um, to succeed and to do well and to win the league. Um, does Pochettino's success rely on... Is, is that just a prerequisite? Is, is it even unthinkable that, PS, that Pochettino doesn't win the title? Should his job depend on that? Or should he be given a you know a, a season really where he actually starts with all these superstars instead of coming in halfway through, uh, asserting his authority? I mean, I, I I definitely think that he should be given the time, but mm. they're very cutthroat, aren't they? The PSG mm. uh, owners. I I think if they were to win the Champions League and not win Ligue 1, he'd definitely be given time because yeah. that's the that's the thing they want. Mm. But if they win, then ah, uh, we might have to watch that space. Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, it'd be really interesting to see uh, how all of that develops. It's also really interesting as well in La Liga. Um, wonderful goal, actually, from Lionel Messi again. Uh, free kick. Yeah, free kick. Spectacular. Well, Barca actually uh, lost midweek, didn't they, to, mm. to Granada. Mm. Uh, Ronald Koeman getting sent off in the process. Mm. It's quite an interesting one for me. I, I quite enjoyed that, I must say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's eliminated their game in hand effectively. So yep. it is so tight in the top. Really? I mean, you have a game in hand, but if they were to win that, then it'd be three points between the top four with four games remaining. It is so tight. And I know that Atletico and Barcelona play uh, in, a, in a week or two's time. I think that's going to be such a, a massive game for the title race for, for, for all four of the clubs that are involved. Yeah, um, you know, they won 3-2 this weekend. Like you said, losing that game in hand was a blow. But, you know, same points as... Uh, oh, sorry, same games played as Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, but they are only two points behind and they are carrying still, despite losing that game in hand, a lot of momentum. The best player in the world is finding out that he's the best player in the world again, scoring... Ah, oh, that free kick was incredible. I mean, it's not nothing new, but it was still incredible. Uh, against his old teammate as well, uh, Jasper Chilison, um, in the in the Valencia goal, um, Griezmann as well contributing to Messi's brace in that three two win. Um, but it is it's uh, it's a four way race really. It's a four way race because as well you've got Sevilla who they have a game in hand as we speak. Um, so it probably have gone ahead actually by the time this goes out. But they win that game in hand. They're only three points behind Atletico as as well, albeit with an inferior goal difference. Um, but on the same time, Real Madrid winning two 0 with two late goals from Militao and Casemiro against Osasuna. Um, you got seventy four, seventy four. Atletico on seventy six. Sevilla just behind, potentially on seventy three at the end of this. Uh, with that game in hand, but you know, I mean, I mean, where where's the where's the hat sitting? Because it's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, my thoughts on Ronald Koeman. I've mm-hmm. said them on the podcast many a time, but my thoughts of Leo Messi have also mm. been said on the pod many a time, and mm. it's hard to not back Leo Messi. It's really difficult to do that, and I think that they might beat Atletico Madrid, and I think that that will then provide them with the the necessary means to go on and win a league. Yeah, it's very, very, very interesting, I must say. That that and league going is is quite incredible. Um the Catalan Giants have really come back from nowhere and it's uh it shouldn't be a surprise, but I guess it is a little bit. 
how well they've come back, how well they've uh, they've come back into this disp- when it's seeming seemingly they're all out of uh, ideas not too long ago. Um, you know, so that's really interesting. Um, what we have there, I suppose, is two really exciting title races. Not quite the same in Germany because Bayern. Uh, well, it is Bayern's really, um, as much as yeah. it. Uh, Dortmund really kind of closing Sancho's back now, isn't he? Uh, Dortmund still within a sniff, I think now, pulled that points gap back, um, and they're very, I'd say, within touching distance of a top four finish now. But um, they still they'll still be reliant on others to slip up um, because as well, you you just don't know, do you? I mean, I guess I guess the players. Um, particularly Haaland if he stays and particularly with Marco Rosa coming in there must be that inspiration now at this point to say you know what, new manager brilliant at Gladbach, let's get him into the Champions League let's give him the best possible chance Um, now it's in the final furlong of the season But There's there's certainly a carrot there for for all the players, even if they're they're planning on maybe not staying around, there's there's definitely that carrot Uh Um, and I guess Nagelsmann going to uh, Bayern um generally it we, we've talked a little bit about, about this before i think but um it i know it's caused a bit of upset with uh with the Leipzig supporters i suppose as it would do i don't know i, I guess um they have if a point you to, mm. and you can do that you will do that mm. yeah, it, it does seem to be the case <laughs> it's, of, more the it, it's more the manager they should be annoyed with rather than, than anyone else uh, yeah he's a top manager he's at a top going to a top club Mm. I think that uh, it, it'll allow Bayern to continue to compete. Yeah, well, well, uh, just say March is taking over from um, Nagelsmann, yeah. and he's actually manager Rebel Salzburg, so very yeah. much a promotion from the organisation that run the Leipzig. Yeah, and I mean that's about as popular in Germany as well. It's something that's not very popular, um, but yeah, I guess to, they like to use i suppose i mean why not use the franchise to you to, to your optimum it's kind of what they've done they they plowed money into life they got them to where they are and now they're cherry picking salzburg manager but i mean they do the same with players as well they'll do it again with with other players i'm sure yeah there's a food chain in football and, and they're, they're using it to their advantage wonderful demonstration of uh knowledge wonderful demonstration of Things on and off the pitch really this week as we come to the end of a frantic and frenetic season that's really been unlike any other from no supporters coming in to supporters invading the football field to delays to COVID postponements to general postponements due to fans marching on pitches. It's been crazy. This week has just been like, I suppose, the past God knows how many weeks since the start of the season where nothing really does seem to go according to plan or how we thought it might do. It cannot be scripted in any season. This season has been unlike any other, though, and we're coming to the end of it. So thanks for listening. Follow at 15MoffPod. Follow me if you want. My app will be in the um, in the bio. And you would follow Jordan if he wasn't privatised, but because he is, you can't. So send him an email, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, thanks for listening. Take care and stay safe. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening, everyone.